Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given episode, you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Don't forget to visit our website, www.collegeadmissionstalk.com, or the show notes of each episode to access the alphabetical list of all the colleges available with the related audio link to the right of each school. The alphabetical list provides you with on-demand access to all of the episodes so that you may listen whenever you wish. And if you want to receive links to episodes before they are released on the podcast, along with other related resources, please fill out the email opt-in form also available on our website and in the show notes of each episode. Lastly, please email me with any questions or comments at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Leanne Dominguez, who's a class of 13 alum. She's also the Associate Director of Admission Diversity and Access Initiatives at Scripps College. Leanne, how are you? Thank you, John. I'm doing well. Happy to be here. We are so happy to have you, and I'm looking forward to a great conversation. So let me ask you, Leanne, I know that Scripps is part of the Claremont Colleges. Can you explain how Scripps fits into the larger Claremont Colleges Consortium, and what are some of the benefits of being part of such a group? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great question and a common one to, to start this conversation. Uh, Scripps is the second undergraduate college founded within the cluster of colleges known as the Claremont Colleges, um, or also known as the five C's. Uh, this is a network of seven institutions, uh, two graduate schools and five undergraduate schools where that that's where that colloquial five C name comes from. We're the only consortium on the West Coast, the only consortium that is um, able to boast consortium life as part of daily life. And that really is because of the proximity between our schools, literally across the street uh, is, is how far you have to travel from one school to the other. Um, and also the intention in creating our consortium. Um, it was part of the plan from almost the very beginning. And so as school was, as each school was founded, um, it was integrated into the consortium network so that the academic and social uh, life for our students and staff and faculty was um, almost as seamless as, as possible. The benefits are, are captured uh, best by this, this, this term, the best of both worlds. It's, it's something that our students use quite a bit in describing uh, their, their reasoning for, for choosing one of the schools at Scripps or one of the schools within the Claremont Colleges. Um, I guess what that means for me is that students are able to ex exist within a small private liberal arts college. That's because all of our schools in the consortium have uh, student bodies less than 2,000 students. Uh, that means access to faculty, access to resources. Um, but then the, the consortium allows our students to benefit from a community of almost 6,000 students with the social life, the academic opportunity that a mid-sized university would be able to provide. Um, so that to me is the benefit of of, of, of the Claremont Colleges, that when we say we're in a consortium, it is a part of daily life and our students are able to take advantage of the many opportunities that come with being a part of a network like this. Well, we appreciate that and thank you so much for the overview. And it seems that there are so many benefits, again, as being part of that consortium. I was wondering, how do students at Scripps collaborate and interact with students from the other Claremont Colleges and what are the other opportunities for, for example, cross-registration and interdisciplinary studies? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I think one of the ways that our, our Scripps students 
are visible within the consortium and collaborate across the consortium comes from the fact that our students at Scripps especially are really active in their communities, are really dedicated to service, to creating and, and being involved in the arts, to being involved in the community. Um, and so because of our consortium being as accessible as it is, you'll see Scripps students sort of across the entire consortium. Academically, our Scripps students have access to 60 majors. Um, not all of them are at Scripps. That's one of the benefits of our, of our community and our college that we're able to provide a social environment that gravitates, that students gravitate towards. And then academically, they're able to also peruse everything available in the consortium. Um, some examples, I guess, academically of what that collaboration looks like. Um, our conservation is something that is housed at Scripps that is incredibly interdisciplinary. It's a field that automatically combines sciences, art history, art, anthropology, and archaeology. Um, and that is a, ma a major that Scripps students have available to them. Here at Scripps, it's actually the only art conservation major on the West Coast. Um, and it is very, uh, I guess, very, uh, it points very much to the Scripps curriculum, which is incredibly interdisciplinary. Another, I guess, example of collaboration across the consortium is our music major. That is a, mu that is a department based on two different colleges, Pomona and Scripps. So anybody interested in accessing music has two different colleges that they can pick from and choose uh, courses and, and uh, different kinds of ensembles from. Uh, media studies is another interdisciplinary and also cross-campus uh, major. It's housed at Scripps and Pitzer College. Um, so if anybody's interested in that field, inherently in that department, they will be spending time across two different colleges with two different kinds of student populations and uh approaches to teaching. Um, and then finally, STEM is, is often a field that students, especially students interested in scripts, are interested in, specifically because we're able to provide an environment where they're able to learn STEM in uh, a community that is supportive and that is um, committed to their learning. And all of that, I, I have failed to mention that Scripps is, uh, is a women's college. And that's something that is is a huge part of our community in terms of uh, how supportive our community is, uh, the, what we believe our students can achieve and the freedom that our students have. Um, and STEM is, is one of the ways that our students are able to really exist in an environment that's supportive, especially in a field where they will be underrepresented as they continue their studies and their careers. Um, and it's also a collaborative field um, at Scripps because it is a department shared between Scripps, Pitzer College, and currently Claremont McKenna College. So academically, uh, there's a lot of different ways that our students are present um, across the Claremont Colleges, um, but also our, our, our community is very much connected to learning in an interdisciplinary way. Um, I haven't spoken about the social part. We'll, we'll get to that, I, I think, in some of your, your, your later <laughs> questions. But there is a, a lot of also collaboration that happens um, in the social and, and extracurricular part of our students' lives. Well, we will definitely unpackage that even further. But I want to thank you for the overview, active in the community, very collaborative family feel uh, in terms of the humanitarian efforts with the community service. You mentioned that academically, the students have access to over 60 majors, not to mention all of the STEM opportunities. It truly sounds like Scripps has something for everyone. And I want to share that I read that your retention rate is an astonishing 97%. I believe the national average is 69%, but at Scripps College, 97% of your students return, which is truly a testament to the great work that you do in admissions to make sure that the right students come to your campus, but also the great job that Scripps does as an institution to make sure that once the students are on campus, that they are happy. I also mentioned this because I want students and parents to consider this statistic for when they're doing their own research as retention rates, I believe, are very important. So what is it that Scripps College does to ensure that students are happy and wanting to return once they are on your campus? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and and I think there's there's many ways to, to answer this. Um, thinking about it in terms of the support that Scripps is um, has created. Um, you'll, you'll hear me say holistic a lot in this sense, uh, in terms of holistic well-being and holistic support. Our students, uh, as soon as they enter Scripps's community, are supported by a three-prong um, network uh, that really covers their their living experience and living on, on a college campus for probably the first time away from home. Um, 
entering college classrooms and, and sort of what that expectation looks like. Um, and then also just living and learning in a new community. So the way that we support those different branches are through um, the student side. We have peer mentors. It's a very popular leadership role for students at Scripps. Um, after their first year, those students elect to come back to campus early and learn about the different ways that they can be in support of their peers that are entering our community. Um, peer mentors often live in the same residence halls as our first years, and that's where that student support is coming from. The other level is our primary contact dean support level. Uh, this is a, a, a staff member who is within the Dean of Students division, and they are tasked with supporting holistically our students um, in sort of our, a catch-all in a lot of ways, but also help our students navigate college life and, and the institution. Um, this is especially helpful if you're a first-generation student like myself. Um, it's it's a, an expert in college and, and figuring out the best way to utilize all the resources and um, navigate navigate this experience. Um, and lastly, on the academic side is a faculty advisor. Every student, as soon as they enter Scripps's community, has a faculty advisor. Even if our students don't know what they want to major in yet, there is a faculty member guiding them in the curriculum part of their experience to ensure that they're on track to graduate, um, to, they're on track to come back and be in good standing year after year. Um, and, and to your point, John, about the, the importance of uh, retention rate, um, to me, that translates to what is financially the commitment of a family or a student for higher education. And uh, sticker price is definitely something that students and families have to take into consideration when they're going through this process. But also, how long is a student going to be in college and making that financial commitment? Um, and sometimes it, it, it may be an, a, a better financial match for a student to attend a school that has that high retention rate um, that also has resources and, and systems of support to get through college through those four years. Um, so taking a look into what sticker price looks like in comparison to what that re uh, uh, results in resources and uh, what what comes out of um, that kind of commitment is super important. Um, and, and for Scripps, I think another huge piece to our community, aside from that support that I described, is the fact that we are quite small. And I think sometimes students have this uh, misconception of a small college as not having a lot of opportunities or being limiting in, in what you can experience in college. Um, and that that simply isn't true for schools that have, like, like Scripps, have, have incredible resources, access to faculty, often more directly than at much larger schools with those big names. Um, and that's because our community serves undergraduate students specifically. Our students aren't battling it out for opportunities to work with faculty. Um, and they're also able to access many different points of support um, because people know their name and see their faces in the classroom. And um, it's sort of easy to pick out, especially in a community like, like Scripps, um, when people need help and, and who to go to when, when you're in that position. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code COLLEGETALK, one word, just college talk, and that'll give you 30% off all prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring packages, make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. 
Well, thank you so much for that great overview. And obviously, there are so many supports for all of your students. Again, no wonder why students are so happy and there truly is something for everyone. So how does Scripps approach the admissions process and what factors are considered when evaluating applications? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so Scripps, like other private liberal arts colleges, we review our admission files in a holistic way. Um, and like all of the other Claremont colleges, we are all in the common application. Um, so that's one of the similarities across our, our undergraduate uh, consortium. Um, Scripps also accepts and reviews the QuestBridge application. So there are two different applications that students can use to apply to Scripps, the Common App and the QuestBridge app. Um, in our holistic review, what that means for us is that every application is read at least by two people uh, from cover to cover, and we read every single part of the application, the, the student-created part, which includes the demographic information, essays, extracurriculars, the supplemental questions that I know we're going to dig into in a bit, um, and then the, the all the other components that are sent by the school that the student attends, the transcripts, uh, letters of recommendation, documents that are helpful to have from the counselor, a letter of recommendation from the counselor, um, and then also test scores if those are, are included in the application. Uh, Scripps, though, is a test optional institution. It's a policy that is permanent for, for our process. Um, and so all of those components uh, come into play within our review process. And then we're driven by our mission statement. Uh, I, won't, I won't recite the whole thing to you right now, <laughs> but the, the important part of, of, of that mission statement for this process is uh, four descriptors that it includes. And those are creativity, leadership, integrity, and service. Those four descriptors in a lot of ways are what I use as my guide to read an application and understand the potential contributions of that student for our community and also what we can offer the, the student. Uh, we are looking for students that um, want to live and learn in an interdisciplinary environment. A lot of that for Scripps is because there's a course taken in the first semester of the first year called Core One, and it's taught by 15 professors all over the course of one semester all reflecting or, or uh, representing different parts of academia. And it's an incredible introduction for our students to learn what it means to be an interdisciplinary learner and start to see the ways that interconnectedness and critical thinking can be applied in any field. So I'm looking for students that have more than one interest in this in this application part of it. And then the community piece is, is driven, again, by that mission statement. I'm looking for students who enjoy being creative with other folks who enjoy collaboration, who enjoy working with others or for others uh, to sort of give back or share shared knowledge. Um, leadership, especially at women's colleges, I think can be defined in so many different ways. Um, in, in, I guess, the more, uh, more understood ways, uh, being loud, being confident, <laughs> being the first one to raise your hand. But also, to me, leadership is showing up, being consistent, being someone that folks can rely on on advocating for others, advocating for, for what you're thinking. Um, and so that, that's a huge piece to, to our community and our review process. That to me aligns with integrity and, and sort of uh, that value um, I think is reflected in a lot of the ways that, that Scripps students sort of um, navigate their Scripps experience, but also in the way that they learn and the way that they um, choose to dedicate their time. It's often with other people and in community with other people. Um, so long, long answer. Obviously, there's a lot of pieces to the application for Scripps, but, but to me, um, I'm looking for students that are able to connect to that mission statement and our curriculum, which again, it's, it's, it's incredibly interdisciplinary. Well, thank you so much for the great insight into your overall application, but also into your community, which I think is terrific. And I know that you mentioned that Scripps is in fact test optional. Can you share the percentage of students that applied and who were ultimately admitted that did not submit their test scores? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Uh, quick background on our test optional policy. It's something that we were working on right before uh, the COVID closures caused a lot of institutions to develop test optional policies. So ours is a permanent policy that is in place um, for, for all future uh, all future rounds. And this year marked our third year under, under that policy. And what we're seeing is uh, students, uh, the number of students choosing not to submit scores continues to rise. Um, and also lots of conversations that we're having within our admission uh, office conversations about the use of 
test scores. And I think what's important to know is that every test optional policy is, is different at each institution. And it's helpful to understand what differences exist uh, at the different schools that you're looking at um, and how um, that may influence what you choose to do in terms of what tests you're taking, if you're taking the tests, and even the timing of those tests. Um, so for, for last year's um, uh, cohort, 2021-2022, uh, 57% of our students who applied to Scripps did not submit scores. Out of that group, 46% of our admitted students did not submit scores. Um, so it's still quite a large percentage of our community, much larger than even three years ago. Um, and what I've seen um, as a result of this, this policy change is an opportunity for students who want to be able to really navigate our process, emphasizing their story through their essays and presenting an application to us that has that full picture of four years of academic work and um, writing that allows us to learn about who they are um, and who they hope to be. Um, that has allowed students to continue to focus their efforts there and not discount scripts as an option um, because of our, our test scores. Well, that's great insight. Thank you so much. And of course, another piece of the application is the college essay. So what are some examples of college essays that left an impression on you? And what advice would you share with prospective students in terms of what to think about when preparing to write their essay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a great question and one that I wish I had better answers for because I read so many <laughs> applications. Um, I, I, um, I'm often... The essays in the common application or in, in the college application is, is probably my, my favorite part of this process. Um, and I, I know a lot of my colleagues would agree that it's an opportunity to learn about the student, about something totally random and um, be able to sort of pop into somebody else's uh, world for, for just a little bit. Um, I think some essays that have stuck with me have been the ones that are um, about something that isn't that impressive. But um, I think often when you're thinking about who you are or uh, moments in your life that shape who you are, they're not often big moments. Um, and so one that comes to mind, um, I read this years ago, um, was of a student who um, commuted back and forth um, from school and home with her dad um, and uh, to, to save on money, to save on um, to save on figuring out how to get to school and to work, they they carpooled together, and the essay was about the different conversations they had for in high school and how that shifted as um, our world shifted, as their lives shifted, and I enjoyed being able to learn about this student's daily car rides with their dad because um, it was it, some, it felt something like very personal to that student and a really easy way to get to know what their high school career had been like. Um, and it was less about the, I guess, the, the drive back and forth to, to school and more about the way that the student was able to share about their life and, and the values that they ultimately um, attributed to that experience. Um, there's, um, I think that's, that's kind of like the, the main one that I always remember, but every year I have essays that are, are helpful and impactful because of the learning that I'm able to do for the work that I'm doing, to, which is to advocate for the student I'm reading, um, to, to join our community. Um, and, and I think advice for putting together those responses um, is, is to just start writing. And, and as a, a procrastinator myself, as someone who sort of questions my own writing ability, it's, it, it's, it's sort of almost feels silly to suggest that. But I have learned now through many years of schooling and through going through this process that really just starting to write and seeing what comes out on paper um, and, and allowing yourself to um, have the time to dedicate just just a little bit of time to to share your story and um, there isn't one way to share your story I think there's many different um, things that you can share about yourself that um, get to this goal of um, sharing a little bit of who you are to the admission officer um, but I think another way that this is really or, or tools or things that students can do to sort of facilitate this is to be willing to share their writing um, with each other um, with 
with older siblings, somebody who you know will provide you with care and support to kind of move forward in this process. Um, and I think essays often bring a lot of nervousness about uh, the college application process, because in a lot of ways, it's what you have the most control over at this point. Uh, grades are, are going, they're happening. Uh, test scores, if that's going on, have, have happened. It's, a, it's a, a Saturday morning, but essays do really have all this time that you can dedicate to them. And um, there is often uh, someone in your corner who is willing to take a look at what you've written to provide some advice. Um, there's also virtual resources that exist. Um, I know that some of them exist through different nonprofits, different community-based organizations. Um, Scripps has a resource called the Access Mentor Program that is uh, basically students who, who are Scripps students who are trained and um are they learn how to guide students in the college application process. And a big part of that is how to write an essay and how to write your essay. So there are also resources available online. A lot of that has come through COVID that have that will likely not go away um, that exists for folks who may be wondering how to approach this this part of the college application process. Well, we appreciate that. And as you probably know, I always put the Office of Undergraduate Admissions, in this case, it will be for Scripps College, in the show notes. If you want to share those resources that you just mentioned or anything else, please provide it to me. And of course, I'll make it available to the students and parents in the podcast episode show notes. I also appreciate how you spoke of an essay, as you said, from years ago. It was a student's commute with her dad and the different conversations and how the conversations evolved with time and with changes throughout the world. It was less about the drive, but it was more about the student's insights, her values, and really what shaped her as a person. Again, giving you on the admission side of things, great insight in terms of who the student is as a person. Doesn't sound like she repeated, as many students do, what was on a transcript, what could be found easily on an activity sheet. So I think that's a great example and great insight in terms of what the students should be thinking about. So I was also curious because the Common App asked the same questions, regardless of which school you were applying to. Many schools, however, add supplemental questions to gain more insight into the student. How many supplemental questions do you ask for at Scripps? And what are you trying to learn from potential student responses in those supplemental essays? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And we ask an additional two questions in the common application. The first one is, uh, why have you chosen to apply to Scripps College? And we expect a response of a maximum of 200 words. Um, and the second prompt is a cho choose your own adventure situation. There are three, three options to choose from. And my advice for students when they get to this part of the application is to pick the prompt that allows you to speak about a topic you have not yet shared. Um, and this is because as an admission officer, I'm tasked with reading an application and finding what I can find to advocate for them um, to, to be a member of our community, specifically a member of Scripps. Um, and for those prompts, so like I said, there's three options. One of them is about uh, if you could trade lives with someone fictional or real, who would it be and why? The other one is um, you've just invented a time machine. When and where is your first destination and why? And the third, which we, we recently added this year and has become our most popular response, has um, is you've been invited to host your own podcast. What will you talk about and what did you select for that topic? <laughs> I'm sure, John, that, that connects with you um, and, and it's probably the one you would choose. Um, and so, like I said, my suggestion is to pick a topic, pick, pick a prompt that allows you to write about something different. Don't reuse parts of your personal essay in these responses, because often it's the same exact person reading that essay and reading these responses. So we can tell when when students have reused or are rejiggering parts of, of their, their essays that we've read before. Um, and if I have gotten to this point in the application and I have not yet found a reason why I would advocate for you at Scripps, this is where, I, where it's basically the last chance where I'm hoping I will find some kind a connection to our community and our curriculum. Um, and again, a connection to our curriculum to me is, is 
amplifying or highlighting multiple academic interests. Scripps is a really great place for students that have more than one interest because, again, it's, it's it built into the curriculum, it's built into a lot of the majors, and it's built into one of the required courses um, our students take in their first year. And then a connection to our community. Um, we're incredibly supportive, collaborative, a lot of that can be attributed to our founding in 1926 um, and, and being an institution that allowed students who at that point were blocked from being able to access some institutions of higher education. Um, so incredibly supportive. We, we support students who want to achieve really great things in academics in collaboration with others. So those are all aspects that I'm looking for a connection to in these responses. Um, and they deserve just as much love and attention <laughs> as the personal essay. Um, and obviously, um, if you're applying to more than one private liberal arts college, it is it is likely, highly likely, that you will have many of these supplements to, re to respond to. So building time in to make sure that each of those responses is school-specific if you're re reusing any parts of, of those prompts, um, do it, but don't do it in, to the point that your response can be a plop, plop this other college in there and it'll be the same exact response. Those responses right. should be school specific right. and institution specific. Um, I, I shouldn't be reading a response that only is about the Claremont colleges or that we're in Southern California, both of which are really incredible reasons to look at scripts, but should not be <laughs> the only reasons you're looking at scripts. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability, affordability, and a wide selection for bedding to storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for Dormco, your one stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all and best wishes. Well, that's an incredible answer. And I'm so happy that you talked about how you are looking for reasons to advocate for the students so that they can be admitted, right? You're an admissions counselor, so you want to admit students. So the lesson is don't reuse what you wrote, for example, in the general essay and be sure to be school specific. So the point being is that every piece of the application has to build on your candidacy. So don't reuse what you wrote in the general essay in your supplemental and take the time to be thoughtful with the supplemental questions, because here you have an admissions representative from Scripps College saying that she's looking for reasons to advocate for you. So you have to use every piece to help her with that advocacy. Am I right? Beautifully summarized, John. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that answer. I was also curious, what about Scripps commitment to diversity and inclusion? How does the school ensure that all students feel welcome and supported? Yeah. Uh, equity, inclusion, and, and access are key components of the academic, social, and community life at Scripps. Rather than relying on one chief diversity officer, like some institutions do, our approach to lead anti-racism initiatives at Scripps is split amongst a three-person team. Uh, it's called the Equity and Justice Leadership Team. Uh, they were uh, founded and, and really started to become active in the community in, in 2020. Um, and their team reaches all areas of the college, including the academic and curricula development, policy, governance, employees, and obviously our community of students. It's an intersectional and, and interdisciplinary approach, which is very scripts. Um, and it, <laughs> it, it comes with a lot of really great... Um, visibility of these efforts on campus and also um, an ability for our community to um, have these conversations campus-wide and not just in our classrooms or not just in student spaces. 
Um, some of the, I guess, highlights of this in terms of our student community um, include different kinds of funding sources that our students now have access to through these initiatives. One of them is the Racial Justice and Equity Fellowship, which funds anti-racist research and community-based projects. Some of those in the past couple of years um, have included uh, projects that look into the education access for incarcerated students. Um, that's something that students here at Scripps and Pitzer specifically are, are very committed to. Um, other community-based projects have included uh, looking into the queer Black ballroom dance scene, um, which we are seeing very much represented um, uh, in, in media through through Pose and different, different kinds of artists. And then finally, um, recently, actually one of our students in our office last summer uh, did research on the impact of community gardens. Um, so I think this is a great example of what research and access to that hands-on learning can look like at Scripps in the way that uh, we are supporting, uh, especially especially for our students, anti-racist research and allowing our students to look into those fields um, on an academic side. Um, as a PWI with a community dedicated to advancing access to education, these efforts are important, they're ongoing. Um, and this is specifically like the institutional level um, support that exists. There's also on the student level, affinity spaces that exist at Scripps and at the Claremont Colleges, which I think is another unique aspect of our consortium. Um, we're able to offer communities that are student-led, like um, FAMILY, which is a student-led uh, group at Scripps for our, our queer questioning students, or groups like Café Con Leche, which is specifically for our Latinx community at Scripps. But then there is a dual-based resource that supports students at all of the Claremont Colleges. Within Claremont, that is the Queer Resource Center. It's housed at Pomona, but serves students, staff, and faculty at all seven institutions. Um, and the, I guess the, the, the counterpart of Café Con Leche would be the, the Chicano Latino Student Affairs Office, which again is housed uh, in a central location in our consortium and serves um, the entire community um, of the seven Claremont colleges. Um, so what I think is really neat is that our consortium our individual schools are able to address and focus time and energy and, 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 and funds to creating spaces and ensuring that all of our students are uh, successful and are thriving. And we're also able to collaborate with each other at an institution level and a student level, um, taking advantage of the fact that we are five or seven different, very, very different communities that are all right across the street. And there is a, a huge benefit to being able to collaborate across institutions in that way. Well, that's terrific creating spaces and providing something for everyone. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. I was also curious, are there any specific academic programs or majors that Scripps is particularly known for? And what opportunities do students have for research and experiential learning? A great question. And, and one that I enjoy talking about because I think another misconception of liberal arts schools, especially ones as small as, as, as Scripps and, and the Claremont Colleges, is that access to research or access to hands-on learning is not going to be possible because there aren't as many options, which is, is just not true. There are, like I said before, there are many, many opportunities at private liberal arts colleges our size because we are only serving our undergraduate population. So every research opportunity, every kind of research stipend, any kind of summer opportunity that our students hear about, they are they are eligible for because they're not having to battle it out with a graduate student or somebody who has with more who comes in with more credentials or more experience. Similarly, every class at the Claremont Colleges is taught is taught by a professor, not a, a graduate student TA, because we don't have them. Um, so all of our, all the opportunities to connect directly with faculty and help them in whatever they're working on professionally um, or what they're building on in terms of their research, those are opportunities that can that can happen um, as soon as the, the second semester of the first year. Um, and in terms of access to, I guess, traditional research, often folks think about it as, as uh, STEM, STEM fields. Um, um, our science department is called the Keck Science Department. It is currently shared between Pitzer, Claremont McKenna, and Scripps. Um, for Scripps students, some of our most popular STEM majors are biology, biochem, chemistry, and we have a, a, a good number of students pursuing a pre-health path, um, which for Scripps translates into preparing for medical school or veterinary school or dentistry school, but a being able to explore other fields as well and not just the sciences. 
Um, it's, it's one of the reasons why for our medical school acceptance rate, Scripps students, we have about an 80% acceptance rate to medical school. That is, for a lot of reasons, um, we, we attribute to the fact that our students to come with that interdisciplinary background, come with also really strong writing skills. Writing is something that I'm looking at in the application process. Um, I'm looking for students who have a good foundation in writing. Um, but there's also a lot of great support here that exists so that our students are able to uh, achieve the highest levels of writing that they can so that they can complete a senior thesis, which all of our students are required to do, um, and complete research um, at the highest level so they are competitive when they're going to grad school or to the Fulbrights or to land a job after graduation. Um, and also just continue to enjoy being a learner. I think that's something that is very specific to the Scripps experience. We are looking for students that are lifelong learners who will continue to take that approach in, in any any field or career or um, institution they go into after. Well, I couldn't agree more, and I appreciate the answer. And thank you for clarifying the misconceptions of liberal arts studies in schools. We really appreciate it. How else does Scripps support students beyond the classroom in terms of extracurricular activities, internships, and career preparation? Yeah, so our students, in terms of career preparation and just being able to figure out what they want to do with life, it, it comes in a lot of ways at Scripps. Obviously, uh, the extracurricular activities um, are often student-led, and that's a, that's a huge part of our, the lives of Scripps students here. Scripps has about 35 Scripps-led clubs. A lot of those have those components of our mission statement I, I mentioned before, creativity, leadership, integrity, service. Um, and through those experiences, our students are able to figure out what, what, what I guess future life looks like. In addition to those clubs that are run through Scripps students, there are also 300 clubs that we share broadly across the consortium. So you'll find a variety of things that students can be a part of, often related to their future careers, um, or also just related to their, their passions and interests. Um, the other branch of what that... Um, support looks like for Scripps students is through CPNR, which is the name of our Career Services Office. It stands for Career Planning and Resources. Um, and that is a Scripps-only resource. And what I mean by that is resources like the library, the bookstore, the Queer Resource Center, those are resources that exist at the Claremont Colleges that are shared broadly across the consortium. Things like our Career Services Office are, are, are going to be institution-based. The benefit to that for Scripps students is that CPNR is able to focus specifically on the fields that our students are interested in at Scripps and the needs of our Scripps students as they enter fields where they likely will be underrepresented in some way. Um, so in addition to access to internships, um, about 86% of our students do at least one internship while they're here. Our students have access to funding sources, um, have access to preparation for uh, different kinds of interviews, different kinds of grad school um, application components, um, and also um, those tangible things like how to navigate finances, how to navigate uh, networking in a male-dominated field, how to create a system of support that's, that, uh, that uplifts you as you continue in, in your, your career or, or learning um, after Scripps. Um, so CPNR, I, I think, is a really incredible resource that exists for Scripps students and is uh, servicing and creating resources that, that target specifically what our students' needs are when they're here, which is preparing for what comes after college, getting a job, grad school, <laughs> um, but also for those long-term goals of being successful, being somebody who gives back to the community, being someone who, again, Live, lives as a lifelong learner. Um, so that's a lot of what CPNR is able to support. Um, but sort of related to that, we also have the LASPA Center for Leadership, which is physically right next to the CPNR office on a campus. And that center it allows our students to develop their leadership in, in whatever way that means for them. Again, being a women's college means that we are able to define leadership in so many different ways. And at the, at the root of it is learning from each other and honoring the way that leadership can be translated in different ways. And together, LASPA Center for Leadership and CPNR 
are able to, in collaboration, support our students in, in whatever they're hoping to achieve after. Um, for the most part, our, our students at graduation enter the workforce, but we, like I said, we're lifelong learners. Uh, two thirds of each graduated class will have gone back to grad school within five years. Um, and so learning and continuing to sort of achieve those kinds of things in community with other people are what our, our graduates um, are, are able to really explore and enjoy. And a lot of that comes from the Scripps education and those Scripps specific supports like career planning and resources and the LASPA Center for Leadership. Well, thank you so much for sharing that data and the incredible information. We really appreciate it. What about students that may have had an IEP in high school? What programs do you have in place to ensure that they continue to be successful once they're on your campus? Yes, an important question. Um, and this, uh, my answer for this is also about the dual support and one of the benefits of our consortium. So at Scripps specifically, for students that are looking for information about accommodations, both living and learning accommodations, they would access our Academic Resources and Support Office, or we call it ARS. Um, and that is a Scripps-based office that is staffed by professional staff members who help you in this process of putting those kinds of support systems into place, um, and ensuring that that setup is working for you at Scripps. They then connect you to a 7C resource called the Student Disability Resource Center, which is housed pretty centrally located across the consortium. And that's where a lot of more of the policy making and community building happens across the consortium, uh, very similar to some of our other consortial resources that I've mentioned. So for students that are looking for how to make sure that they have those supports in place and trying to figure out who to talk to, talk to our academic resources and support office. They are the best folks to support you in this um, and setting these things up. Um, they also provide holistic academic support. So they're a service that students can access if they need help figuring out how to take notes in class or how to balance time in college or how to balance uh, having fun with doing school. Um, there is there is a way to do both of those things. And their office is incredible in supporting all of our students in their academic um, journeys. Um, but they're especially uh, uh, important for students that are looking for those support systems and, and how to navigate putting those into place. Well, thank you so much, Leanne, for a thorough and comprehensive job in terms of all of the great things that Scripps has to offer inside your classrooms outside of your classrooms, on your campus, and even beyond. This has been tremendous. Unfortunately, it leads us to our last question, which is, what are your top three pieces of advice you would provide students and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? My, my top three pieces of advice are research, which I think is an obvious one, but if there is a college campus near you, visit it. Even if it's not a college you're considering, it is so helpful to be able to walk and exist within a college campus to start to understand what you want, what you don't want, the kind of community you're interested in, the kind of opportunities you're interested in. And you can get all of that through visiting a website, visiting social media, but it is very different when you can actually come to a college campus and, and sort of experience what that looks like. Um, so if you can, if you have a college near you, public, private, community, college-based, public school-based, whatever it is, go and visit it and, and start to sort of ex what, figure out what that college life would look like for you. And related to that, my, my second piece of advice is to talk to an admission counselor. I think, uh, John, you're doing a great job of sort of uh, allowing folks to, to talk to admission counselors through through their headphones. Um, we are people, we are folks who care about education, who care about this process and, and, and supporting you through this process. Um, we often are speaking for folks in, in my field, we are often um, first generation students ourselves and really passionate about increasing access to higher education. And a lot of us get into this work to be able to be that that person who tells you college is an option and, and this is how we're going to get there. So talk to us. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to pick up a phone and call, but email us. We're often available um, in the fall in your high school. We visit all kinds of high schools, uh, different kinds of organizations. Um, we also host events on our college campuses. If you are able to visit a college campus, um, and, and talk to somebody there that is incredibly useful and, and ask them 
the hard questions. Ask them why why are you here? Why why did you choose to work here? Would you do that again? Um, that all that all of that gives you really helpful insight into a community that again you cannot get through a website or uh, an Instagram feed. Um, and then my last piece of advice is one that I um, I, I am trying to, to be better at is to build time to write. Um, build time to write your essays, build time to be thoughtful about what that what that part of your application will look like because it is something that is incredibly useful, especially if you're applying to schools that require essays. They require them because they want to get to know you and they're going to read them. Um, so build that time in to review your essays. And if you are a procrastinator, build some accountability partners, go ask a friend to, to hound you to make sure that you're writing or, or ask someone to keep you accountable. Um, that is what I have found to be the most useful thing for me. And these are important pieces of writing that, that deserve your time and attention. Um, so those are my three pieces of advice. Get to know different kinds of options that are available to you. Talk to the people that are supporting you in this process and build time so that you can, um, advocate for yourself. Well, Leanne, thank you so much. I love the fact that you talked about, of course, doing your research, but also visiting a college campus near you. No matter where you live in the country, there's got to be a college campus somewhat in your vicinity of wherever you live. The point being is that whether or not you want to go to that school or not, visit it and you start to develop a feel of what you want. Do you want to be in a suburban area, a rural area? Are you okay with being in a city? Do you want to be in a large school, small school, or anything in between? All of those questions can be answered by starting to look at schools that are near you. Also, you spoke about speaking to the admissions counselor and don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. I hope that the podcast is showing students and their parents how accessible you truly are. But also, you talked about building time to write your essay as schools really want to get to know you beyond what's on your transcript or your activity sheet. So take the time, whether it's the general essay, supplementals, admissions reps are reading these, and it's really important as part of the overall application, as Leanne spelled out. So Leanne, I want to thank you for an amazing conversation. I am so happy, as I know that this is going to help so many students and their parents. I hope to have you again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, John. This was great. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to announce that we've teamed up with some fantastic affiliate partners to further enhance your overall college journey. So do you or someone you know need stylish dorm decor, trendy college apparel, or top-notch test prep? Whether it's creating a cozy home away from home, flaunting the latest in college apparel, or securing top-notch test prep help, we've got you covered. Check out our affiliate links in the show notes within each of these categories, which we believe will help you, our listeners. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast does get a small commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit you, our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes and share with anyone you think may benefit. Thank you all and best wishes.